Each generation is given an assignment from God to prepare the next generation for a successful life. Today, we'll be looking at some characteristics required to train the next generation. This message is the fifth in the series, A Life That Works. The message is entitled, Preparing Your Child for Success, Part 1. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. your Bibles, your teaching sheets as we turn our attention this morning to our message series entitled A Life That Works. And I want to talk to you this weekend and next weekend, a little bit of a departure from what I planned in my series. Uh, I want to talk to you about preparing your child for success. I'll give you a little bit of background on this. This past Tuesday morning, as I was walking early uh, Tuesday morning into the office area, uh, as I sort of stepped into the third floor heading my office, I felt very clearly the Holy Spirit speak to me and said, I want you to talk about parenting this weekend. I want you to talk about raising kids. And it came to me very clearly that part of building a life that works is not just about having a life that works for us, but also a life that works for our children. Amen? We want to make sure that we're doing everything necessary to raise up the generation that is coming behind us because we want them to have lives that work. And the best way for your kids to have a life that work, works is for you to build a functional family, a functional family unit that works well, that functions the way God designed it to function. And that involves learning some principles from God's Word. We've been talking about wisdom. I'm not going to take time this morning to talk to you about Proverbs chapter 9, 1 through 6. You can read it there on your own as a part of your own study this week, but I do want to take you to Proverbs chapter 22, verse number 6. That will be our launching point for today. Would you read together with me? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Read it again. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. One of the main responsibilities that you and I have as adults is to invest in the next generation. Whether you're a parent, a grandparent, a great-grandparent, a concerned person, a teacher, someone that is engaged at some level with kids, all of us, no matter what we have, where we are in life in relationship to having children, we have a responsibility to the next generation because we are the generation that the next generation will stand upon for their future. Just like you look back on your life and you're here today because folks have gone before you and folks have accomplished things before you came along and because of their accomplishment, you are where you are today. And so we are all standing on the shoulders of somebody. There's not a single person here that in reality is a self-made man or a self-made woman. We're made by the grace of God, but also by the sacrifice of people that have gone before us. Amen? So just like we are the beneficiaries of those who've gone before us, we need to benefit those that are coming behind us and make sure that we're doing everything possible to train them up in the way they should go so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. God is a God of generations. God's not the God of one generation. God is the God of generations. That's why throughout the Bible you find a lot of those passages that said so-and-so begot so-and-so and so-and-so begot so-and-so and so-and-so begot so-and-so. Why does God want to give us a lot of begots? No, it's because God cares about generations. God wants you to know that there's a history, there's a generation that we're all a part of. We're part of the historical process of humanity that he's creating throughout history until Jesus comes back again. And one of the greatest things that you will ever do in your life is invest in the next generation. There's nothing greater than that that you will ever do. 
as God has, God has begun to deal with me over the last eight, ten years or so about our church and just reminding me that we're to be a church that really is not only focused on the now but focused on the future as well by raising up kids that will love God and serve God in a new, fresh way. We've taken on just a fresh vision of what God wants to do in the next generation. We believe it's really, really important for us as a church and for you as an individual. So today I'm going to talk to you about three things this weekend. Next weekend I'm going to talk to you about four things added to these three, so seven in total of how you can work to prepare a child for success. What do you and I do? So let's look at our three things for today. Number one, you have to give them a positive godly example to follow. You must give them a positive godly example to follow. The best training you will ever experience in life is training by example. And the next generation, the kids that we're raising, the kids that are coming up behind us need people that they can look up to for guidance, look up to for insight, can look up to for functionality. They don't need to look at dysfunctional adults. They need to look at functional adults and adults who are mature and adults who have inspirational lives. See, sadly, in our world today, a lot of the, of the role models that our kids have are celebrities and those that are in athletics and not always have the best character. But I want my my desire, what I pray for, and I hope that our church will be, is that we will be filled with a bunch of adults who are great role models for kids. That when kids grow up, they're not looking to the world for the role model. They're looking at the church and say, I, I want to be like brother so-and-so. I want to be like sister so-and-so. I want to be like this person that I, I met in church. And so we as adults begin to be the center of that sense of inspiration for children coming behind us. They need role models. Let me give you five characteristics of a great role model. How do you become a great role model to the next generation? Number one, you have to have strong spiritual commitments yourself. If you don't have strong spiritual commitments, you'll never raise wrong, strong kids. If you're weak, what will your kids be? No, weaker. That's a very important thing to realize. If you're weak spiritually, your children will be, generally speaking, weaker. If you're strong and you build a strong faith in them, here's the beautiful thing, more than likely they will be stronger. Okay? And so what we build in them from who we are will make a difference in how they approach their spiritual lives. And so you need to be a person who is strongly committed to God in your actions and with your words that you are the real deal follower of Jesus Christ. Because I'll tell you something about kids, they can spot a phony. They're really good at sniffing out people who are not the real deals. And so they can tell when you're just sort of talking a talk but not walking the walk. And so my charge and challenge for all of us as adults is to say, I'm going to build some strong spiritual commitments in my life, unchanging spiritual commitments. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The second thing you need is personal dedication and discipline. If you're going to look up to someone, you want to see that they're dedicated to the right things, that have the right priorities in their life. It's not just that they say they love Jesus, but there's a practicality of that in terms of their time and their treasure and their talents. They're investing in the right things. They're not distracted by things that do not matter, and they're disciplined in the way they live their lives. Some of the people that have inspired me most in my life are people who live out a life of discipline and dedication. Thirdly, you want to make sure that you're developing emotional and relational maturity. Sadly, in our world today, we have kids trying to raise kids. I'm talking about 40-year-old kids trying to raise kids. 50-year-old kids trying to raise kids. They've never grown up themselves. 
they've never matured themselves, and so now all they're doing is passing on their immaturity to the kids coming under them. And so what I want to challenge you to think about in your life is how emotionally mature you. Are you able to handle things emotionally that you didn't handle before because you're growing, you're developing your capacity to pull the reins in and not let the emotions of your life direct your life, but you're learning how to use emotions in a godly and good way. And also in the relationships of your life, that you're maturing in your relationship patterns. You have inner strength and stability in these areas. Kids need to see adults who have it together, not who are falling apart. Doesn't mean that we don't all fall apart from time to time, but when you fall apart, fall apart in a way that you'll quickly get back together again. Amen? Have emotional strength, emotional stability, and relational stability. Fourth thing, if you're going to be a good role model, you have to have responsible actions. What I mean by that is you have to live responsibly. You keep your word. You do what you say you're going to do. You pay your debts. You fulfill your commitments. You do things that are a part of just being responsible. You know, it's really amazing to me in the world in which we live today how many irresponsible adults we have. Not accepting the responsibility. Listen, folks, if you don't want the responsibility of parenting, don't have kids. Amen? Okay? Because I will tell you something, when you have children, with kids comes responsibility. You can't say, love the kids, hate the responsibility. They all go together. And the same, if you have a job, guess what? If you want to work, there comes a responsibility. So anything in life that you embrace as something you want, along with it will come a set of responsibilities. And so you and I have to learn to live responsibly, to make good decisions, to do things well with our life. Then the fifth thing that I think is important for a good role model is you have to have positive attitudes and a positive impact. That is, when you're around, you're making a positive difference. You're not a negative and you're not just a neutral but you're positive. Some folks are just neutral. They make no impact at all. It's just like putting your finger in a glass of water and pulling it back out. Never knew it was there. That's the way some people are. Other people are negative. They put the finger in the glass of water and spill it everywhere. Other people are the ones that fill the glass with water. And the question for you is, what kind of an impact are you having in your life? Are you adding value to the world around you? Are you a neutral? Are you negative? Or are you positive in your impact and positive with your attitude? Our kids need people who are worthy of being followed. And by the way, being followed is much more than something that happens on Facebook. Following is all about someone imitating you and emulating you and doing as you do and following is all about people walking the way you walk and what you need to do is live in such a way and what I need to do is live in such a way that people coming behind me want to imitate me and they want to do like I do and live like I live why because I'm a role model that they can follow Paul the apostle talked about growing up and accepting these kinds of responsibilities. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood where? Behind me. I hope for all of us here today that that verse of Scripture will become a, have deeper meaning to us than perhaps it ever has before. That today God is saying there's some childish things that you need to put behind you. Why? Because there's some kids that need to be able to look up to you. And those things need to be behind you so they can look up to you that your life can change. 
Paul also talked about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, when he said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Can you imagine saying those words to people, follow me as I follow Christ? He was setting the right example. I want to talk to you very quickly in this particular point about a young man in the Bible uh, who, who, was, who was the beneficiary of this kind of positive example in his life. And the young man's name is Timothy. And Timothy uh, is one of the greatest uh, under, underestimated leaders of the New Testament, tremendous leader of the New Testament. Even though we don't hear a lot about him, he shows up uh, oftentimes in the, uh, the events of the Apostle Paul's life and mentioning, uh, being mentioned by Paul in a number of his epistles. But Timothy made a big difference in the gospel because he helped the Apostle Paul. Paul could have never done all that Paul did without the assistance, without the aid of Timothy. And Timothy was the man he was partially because of the mentorship of Paul, but also because other influences in his life. Let me take you to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Paul writes these words. Timothy, he's writing to Timothy. It's the second uh, pastoral epistle to Timothy. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly rem- remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your, te- your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. So there's a very meaningful uh, father-son, spiritual father-son relationship between uh, Paul and Timothy. Then notice verse number five. Paul says, I remember, talking to Timothy, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that the same faith continues strong in you. What I want you to see here is this, that Timothy was prepared for success long before he met the apostle Paul. He was prepared for success by his mother and by his grandmother. Moms, don't ever underestimate the power of your influence in your child's life. That's why we celebrate moms today. Amen. We're so thankful for you because you are preparing your children for success. Grandmothers prepare children for success. Fathers, grandfathers prepare kids for success. But the key is that you must be followable. You must be a person who is followable. Let's go to the second point today. To help our kids... Be prepared for success. You have to give them truth that's unchanging. There are a lot of things that change in our world. I want you to think about all the things that have changed just in your lifetime. Are there any folks here that remember the typewriter? Oh, come on. You remember the typewriter? Okay. Some of you are saying, typewriter, what is that? Okay. Anybody remember the manual typewriters? I mean, you've got to have some muscles to, to type on that machine. I mean, you've got to work out to type on the manual typewriter. And then we went from the manual typewriter to the electric typewriter, and then we went to the Selectra type. Anybody remember those? Had a little ball in it. You pull the ball out. If you want to change the fonts, you could pop the new little ball in, and, man, you thought you were top drawer when you had a Selectra type. Typewriters. How about rotary dial phones? Anybody remember the rotary dial phones? Remember those? Okay. Took you three minutes to dial a number, okay? (laughs) All kinds of things that we have seen in terms of the past. Think about the future. Where will the world be in 10, 15, 25, 30 years from now? What will the world look like? What kind of changes will there be? Progress always demands change. 
Anytime there's progress, there will always be change. And change is not always bad. Change can be very good. I am personally thankful that I don't have to hook up my horse to my buggy every morning on the way to church. How about you? Are you glad about that? Okay. I'm kind of glad those days are over with. So progress produces change. You have to change with the times. We often hear it said. And it's very important. But part of wisdom, listen closely to me, part of wisdom is knowing what to change and what not to change. Because while there are things that need to change, there are also certain things that never need to change. In fact, if you change the things that do not need to change, what will happen is you will weaken those very things. You will undermine the authority and the integrity of those things. And so there's some things that never need to change. Styles and methods and modes change, but certain things we never need to change. Let me give you four things that should never change. And our children, our kids need to know these four things that never change. Number one, please understand this, dear ones. Let me say something very, very before I say this. I am a Bible teacher, so I'm here this morning to talk to you about the Bible. I'm trying my best to help you to understand what the Bible says. I'm not a, I'm not a commentator on culture. I'm not a politician. I'm a Bible teacher. So when I bring my, my instructions to you, I go to this book and I try to find out what does the book say because it's my responsibility to tell you what the book says, not what's popular or what other people are saying. I'm to the best of my ability. I'm going to give you the convictions of what I feel like is in this book, okay? So that's, my, that's what I'm saying to you. And I believe, according to Scriptures, that God's laws never change. God's moral law never changed. If God says something was wrong 4,000 years ago, it's still wrong today. If God says morally that something is not right, then you must understand if God said it. Now, understand, why does God give laws? God gives laws because He loves us, okay? And a law is not a negative thing. A law is actually a positive thing because it's the way God expresses love. Just like a parent gives certain rules to their kids because they love their kids. Well, the same is true. God loved us enough to give us laws. And some things he says, these, are, these, are good for, these things are good for you and these things are not. Do this, don't do that. By the way, the Ten Commandments are still enforced. You believe it's still a sin to lie. Amen, right? It doesn't change. So if it was true 4,000, 6,000 years ago, it's true today. And so our kids need to understand Understand that God's laws, God's moral laws do not change. I'm going to give you a passage or several passages on this in a moment. God's principles never change. God has set certain principles into this world. What you reap is determined by what you sow. How much you reap is determined by how much you so, and we could go on and on about the various principles that are worked into the universe that are created by God Himself, and those laws never change. You, you, they're, they're consistent. They're, even though the world is changing around us, those laws, those principles remain the same. God's message never changes. It will still be the same message that we will preach until Jesus comes back again. I promise you, I don't know when Jesus is coming back again. It seems to be a lot earlier now than I, you know, it seems to be something that's rapidly approaching. I can tell you that. We certainly are closer to it than we've ever been. I truly believe that from a biblical conviction, that we are moving rapidly toward the end days. But whenever Jesus comes back again, if you could find a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing preacher, let's say it was 500 years from now, and they should be preaching the same thing I'm preaching today. 
It may be masked in a little different way. It may look a little bit different in terms of the church building you're sitting in or the way it's gone about. But the message does not change. The message is consistent. All the way from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, there's one message and it's presented in the name Jesus Christ. The whole message of the Bible is about Jesus the Son, the name that is above every name. I could take you through every book of the Bible, 66 books of the Bible, and you will find Jesus in every book. He's there. So that message doesn't change, okay? So listen closely. See, I'm your pastor this morning. I'm your Bible teacher. Don't let culture define things for you. Let the Bible define things for you. This is the best book, and the most, this is the most accurate, truthful book you'll ever read. God's laws never change. His moral laws never change. His principles never change. His message never changes. And by the way, the fourth thing is that God's plan of salvation never changes. Okay? God's plan of salvation is one way, and His name is Jesus. Doesn't mean just because, oh, well, there's people now saying there's so many different ways to God. No, God never said that. God said there's one way to me. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. If over 2,000 years ago Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life, He's still the way, the truth, and the life. And 500 or 1,000 years from now, He will still be the way, the truth, and the life. These things never change. Our children need to understand there are certain things that do not change. They're living in a very rapidly changing world. Dear ones, if we as adults are being influenced by the culture and these things, how will we ever be able to help our kids? So let this become solid in you and me that God's moral laws never change, that God's principles never change, that God's message never changes, and God's plan of salvation never changes. And let's give that unchanging truth to our children, our kids growing up underneath our responsibility. I've learned something about young people as we've been investing them over the last several years in some fresh ways. We have a bunch of interns here at our church and our youth ministry and young adult ministry and I found out something about kids. They love truth. When you tell them the truth, they want to know the truth. They're eager to know the truth. They're eager to, eager to learn that truth if somebody will tell them. I want to show you how God doesn't change. Numbers chapter 23, 19. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? First Samuel 15, 29. He who is the God of Israel does not lie or change his mind. Uh, Psalm 55, 19. God is a throne of old who does not change. Psalm 110, verse 4, the Lord is sworn and will not change his mind. Malachi 3, verse 6, I, the Lord, do not change. Proverbs 22, 8, 28, do not move, move an ancient boundary stone set up by your ancestors. God has set some boundaries in life. He says, don't move those boundaries. Those are stones that I've set. Don't you move them. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, do not add to what I command you. Do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. Revelation 22, 19, if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away that per- take away from that person any share in the tree of life and the holy city which are described in this scroll. Let me tell you something. God has things that, does n- that do not change. Amen? So what is our task? Our task is to teach this stuff to our children. That's your job. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on their hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you 
you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Here God says it is your responsibility, parents, to make sure your kids get this truth of God inside of them. I'm going to give you four things. These are not on your notes. Write them down very quickly. Four ways you can be involved in imparting unchanging truth to your kids. Number one, if you're not doing so already, start having family devotion. Gather your family around and have devotions with them. Simple, get a Bible story book if you need to, or just one little verse that you talk about. Pray together as a family. Do something that brings your family together in an atmosphere of worship. Number two, church participation. Make sure your kids are in church. You say, well, my kids say, I don't want to go to church. I guess, I, I tell you, they probably don't want to go to school either, okay? It was never an option in my life whether I wanted to go to church or not. My parents knew I needed to be in church. I'll preach that another time. Number three, Bible verse memory. Teach your children Bible verses. Many of the verses that I'm record, I, I recite from you just out of my brain, out of my heart, out of my mind. I learned them when I was a kid in Sunday school and with my parents teaching me, teach your children the Word of God. What is going to get them through their life? God's Word. Everything else changes, but the Word of the Lord will never change. They need it in their hearts. And then pray with your children. Teach them that God cares. I want to give you a very quick story about this. I've told it before, but I'll tell it to you again if you haven't heard it. When uh, I was in graduate school, my wife and I were, I was going through graduate school, married with two little kids. Jessica was a little baby. Christy was about three years old. Uh, obviously, as a graduate student, you don't have a lot of money, and so we were kind of scraping. I was working a full-time job, going to school full-time at the time as well, and uh, moved into a little apartment while I was going to school, and um, we didn't have money to buy Christy a bed. We just didn't have any money. We had someone given us a bed, my wife and I, but we didn't have any money to buy Christy a bed. She's three. And so one night in our family devotions, we say, Christy, let's pray. Let's ask God to give you a bed. You need a bed. We don't have one. Let's ask God to give you a bed. So we prayed, a little prayer that evening, very simple. She prayed, Jesus, give me a bed. And just kind of, amen, went to sleep. Got up the next morning, went to my job, walked into my job, and my boss said, you know, Dale, I was, uh, <clears throat> last night I was thinking, uh, my wife and I have an extra single bed, brand new, with the box springs and mattress that we're not using at all. Would you like to have that? I said, hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> And we worked it out so I could take it home that evening. And I will tell you what an amazing moment it was when I walked into that little apartment that night and said, Christy, come here, I want to show you something. And I'll tell you the story of how you got this. Jesus answered your prayer for a bed, okay? See, Jesus will answer the prayer of kids, okay? And it built faith, and she'll tell you that story to this very day from three years of age, how it built faith in her life, okay? Very important. Let's go to my last point together. Last thing, we'll take just a few minutes on it. Give them the love that's genuine, that's important. Give them the love that's genuine. Every child has a love space inside of them, and they need to feel and know love. And you as a parent, you as a grandparent, you as an adult can fill that love space for kids. And there are six things. I want us to read them together and talk about them very briefly as we wrap up. Number one, read with me. How do you do this? Understanding a child's unique personality and speaking their personal love language. That's, you, you have a responsibility. Learn your kid's love language. What communicates love to them? And every kid's different, right? 
Some kids, you can hug them and they just drink in the hug. Other kids, you try to hug them and they're trying to get away as soon as possible, okay? Because a hug means nothing to them. Uh, but an ice cream cone means a lot, okay? So you've got to find out what communicates love. Number two, give focused attention. I've never met a child that did not like attention. Every child I've ever met loves focused attention. So give them focused attention. Number three, read with me. Sharing honest and kind feedback. What I mean by that is this. You need to always be giving your kids in a kind way a real, realistic assessment of, of, their, of themselves. Good, give good feedback. See, we live in a world today that we've gotten so caught up in this self-esteem thing that everything our kids do is awesome. And guess what? Everything your, kids, your kid will do is not awesome. Oh, look at that picture. That's awesome. Okay. Oh, look, you cleaned your room. That's awesome. I've never seen anybody. It's epic. Okay. It's like, what? I mean, let's, let's use these words for what they really mean, okay? Not, not everything you do is awesome, right? Okay? And in fact, we actually do damage to our kids. There's one Dutch study that I was reading uh, recently this week, actually this week, about how just telling your kids that they're so amazing all the time uh, actually makes them narcissistic, okay? It makes them self-centered because they're not all that great with everything. It's not that you put them down, but it's you find appropriate ways to uh, speak to them about things that they're really good about and then also help them to grow in areas where they need to develop, all right? So, but do it kindly, okay? Do it kindly. Number four, read this one with me. Showing appropriate approval, affirmation, and affection. So you're giving them the approval they need, the affirmation they need, and the affection they need. Number five, setting Realistic but challenging expectations, uh, being, make, making sure you're challenging them through their life. I'm going to talk, by the way, more about these things next weekend, so don't miss that. And the last one, number six, providing what kind of discipline? Circle that word, consistent. That's very important. I will talk more about that ne next weekend. I'm not going to read it for you today as we're wrapping up, but Jesus himself valued the affirmation of his Father. You know that when Jesus was launched into ministry after his baptism, uh, the Father showed up on the scene and said, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus was prepared for success in ministry by the affirmation of his Father. One last thing as I wrap up today. Your kids need to know your love. Parents, grandparents, great-grandparents children's ministry workers, whatever you are, they need to know that you love and care for them. But they also need to know that there's a love that goes beyond your love. It's the love of God, okay? Because you're not going to always be there for them. You will not always be there for your children. You can't always be there for them. And there'll be those moments when people will run out on them and hurt them and they will wonder if they're loved. And the best thing you can do is to set them up to understand the love of God the Father, I'm grateful for parents that love me. I have two wonderful parents. That I'm grateful they're still alive. And I love them. They love me. And I appreciate their love. But I will tell you something. I need more than the love of a parent. I need the love of God in my life. Amen? Okay? And your kids need to know the love of God in their life. That's why the Scripture says, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Lead your children to a personal relationship with Jesus because that's the love that will never fail them. Your love will fail them sometimes. As perfect as you try to be, your love will fail them sometimes. But the love of God will never fail them. Amen? Amen. Put a comma right there. Be back next weekend. We'll continue this theme together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. We ask you'll take this message. We ask you'll seal it in our hearts. Help us, God, to learn, to grow, to be all that you want us to be. Help us to invest in the next generation for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name. 
thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.